Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about slow living, what that actually looks like in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Ben McCallery and welcome to episode 185. In today's episode, I just took your line. <laughs> I talked to Justin Morrissey, who is the founder of Tulo, uh, a, a tool library. That Located is... up in the beautiful Blue Mountains of New South Wales. Mm, only sort of 40 minutes or, or so from our place in Katoomba. And it's such a great conversation. I loved talking to Justin. It really was. Uh, Set the scene. Well, Okay was a really cold morning. It was a delightfully cold winter's morning. The kids were on school holidays. We all bundled into the car and drove to Katoomba. And I sat down with Justin inside the tool library. I actually posted an, uh, an Instagram photo a few weeks back when I was up there. But it's this incredible space where yeah. um, essentially they take donations of all kinds of tools, lots of power tools and hand tools and uh, artists' tools and things like that, but also camping equipment and party gear and, you know, ladders and lighting rigs and all that kind of stuff. And they've pulled those resources and made them available to members. So it's, Unbelievable. A, it's a co-op. It's yeah. a sharing co-op. And it is – I honestly believe that this kind of setup is something we're going to see more and more over the coming years. Interestingly, I wrote about this idea on my blog – way back in the day when it was like the lavender experiment. <laughs> the lavender experiment. Like really a long time ago. And I wrote about how the idea had merit, but I never thought that people would, would get behind it. I never thought that people would give up convenience of owning a power drill, for example, even though they only used it twice. Uh, and it's so heartening, I think, to see these kinds of programs start to take hold. So Justin and I talk a lot about how he got started and why they got started, but also the, the practicalities of running a tool library, the number of volunteers that they need and, and how they got set up legally, all that kind of all stuff. The, and the challenges involved and as well. And the challenges, yeah. yeah. So what I would love for anyone who lives in the Blue Mountains or the, you know, the, the area is to go and check them out. I mean, look, if you don't live in the area, go and check them out anyway because it's inspiring what they've done and I'd love to see it replicated elsewhere uh, but if you are in the area go and check them out and and really consider becoming a member it's 95 dollars a year and for that you get access to everything in their library you get to to rent it for uh, a week at a time and it's just the most fantastic service so their website is tulo.com.au t-o-o-l-o.com.au and uh yeah go and go and check it out and support them if at all possible because these things will not stay in business if we don't support them as a community and i think that's probably the biggest challenge that lots of these kinds of services are facing at the moment yeah obviously it's convenient for those that live in the blue mountains oh, yeah, of our well, listeners well, of course. and uh, but otherwise it's a really cool episode just to listen to about that sort of service that is growing in momentum and we've got a future episode of something pretty similar that's much more established and our understanding is that these things are more established overseas as well that yeah. australia is like laggards in terms of this sort of social sharing 
Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it's the sharing economy and it goes beyond, you know, Uber. Like, that's yeah, what I really exactly. like. This is really community grassroots stuff and it's important. And uh, yeah, I absolutely loved this conversation. So go to um, Tulo's website, but you can also find all of those details plus their Facebook page and contact details over on our website. So slowyourhome.com slash 185 and absolutely encourage you to, to check it out and let us know what you think about, about my conversation with Justin. Before you do, there's only a couple of weeks left before my second book comes out yeah like literally two weeks i think yeah from the day that this comes out there's about two weeks and i'm quite excited and quite significantly nervous about it too uh thank you to everyone who already has pre-ordered i know i've mentioned on a couple of episodes why that makes such a difference but as a you know as a new author getting that number of pre-orders up as high as possible means that you know, booksellers are going to pay attention to it and hopefully we'll spread the word of slow living far and wide. So if you are uh, hoping to pre-order it before the book comes out, you can get 25% off at Booktopia. All the links are over on the, the website anyway, but I uh, just wanted to encourage you to do that. But in the meantime, enjoy my conversation with Justin. Justin, thank you so much for talking to me. That's okay. That's my pleasure. I, I, um, I really appreciate it. And I, I've loved just checking out the library here. It's, um, it's really exciting to me. I mentioned to you before we started recording that I've written about this idea about six years ago, thinking that no one ever would ever get it. And I'm really excited to see that you've got it and you've got people coming in who get it as well. So Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of, I, I always get those moments of kind of, yeah, I guess, pure thrill when people come in and and, you know that light bulb moment comes on and and they say this is great this is exactly what I want and here's some money yeah exactly let me support (laughs) you you. let me support (laughs) this project or you know it's not even that let me just buy into the idea of not owning everything that I I can possibly want in my life and you know I mean I try and do the do the math and I don't drill it into people too much but it's that whole idea that, you know, that I went through as a creative trying to buy everything that I could possibly need for projects, yep. spending um, tens of thousands of dollars. And one day I came across the Tool Library project and I did the math about how much money I would need to spend across my lifetime on things that I need to own for those creative projects. And it came up to about $80,000. Yeah. And then I did the math on the ownership of a collective of people who all owned that same thing and I realized that you know we could be spending you know um four thousand dollars across our life by joining a library such as this or we could be spending eighty thousand dollars across our life to own all of the things that we only use once or twice exactly and the math to me was just so 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 simple and obvious that I thought how can this not work yeah exactly and I want to talk to you about that why why it hasn't occurred to people maybe previously but first Let's just go back one step. We're in Katoomba. We're at Tulo, the Tool Library. Can you give us a brief overview, I guess, of what you've set up and why? 
So we've got a library of very useful things. Mm. And that collection of things is available to members who sign up for a couple of dollars a week. You know, our idea was that um, it should be a library of useful things that are practical to use that you would only want to use every now and then. And um, so we've got things from outdoor recreation to camping gear to like parties and events type equipment, PA equipment, um, and then right to your home reno sort of things and then gardening and servicing and maintaining your yards and and that kind of thing and we when we kind of did the spread of what we what we wanted in the library it was yeah those were the sort of the big items that we knew you could still take away but you could bring back but you would only use them sort of once or twice a year um and but there's but you still need them Yeah. yeah and 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 you know going around to friends houses and and family and noticing that even my family own exactly the same things and you know, i mean i mean that's the thing that's the thing is that we've all been sold this kind of this dream of of luxury and ownership of everything but we don't actually need it and and this is such a better way to do it it is and i think part of that is convenience right we've been sold this idea that everything needs to be convenient and it's a waste of our precious time to go out and borrow something when we could buy it and the twice a year that we need the drill it's right there. That's right, and it, and it might be it might be that people need to be more organised yep. to to um, utilise a service such as this. Like they might need to plan their time a little bit better. Um, but that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, and that that's a lot of you go to do a project on your house. That's project management. So is this, you know, and and so is going to the hire shop, and so is going to the hardware store, yep. um, and all of those things where you know you have to and and think about the money that you're spending. And think about just paying yourself that back by the time it took to come to the library and borrow the item. Well, um, you know, that $60 drill, you know, it, it, pay, it pays for itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, really quickly. So I think convenience is part of this bigger myth, you know, and the ownership issue that in order to be successful at life or something, we, we need to own things you know I feel like there's some kind of stigma attached not necessarily overtly but I don't know we kind of feel a little bit weird about borrowing things or sharing things and I think that just needs to change yeah well I mean there's so much evidence that at the moment about um you know the psychology of ownership and and how that works and anyone who's studied communications or marketing will know that for the last 60 years companies have been perfecting the way Hmm. to be able to market to us as to why that product is necessary for us to own and how happy it will make us and that's that's the real key is that the the happiness idea that um owning everything that you need will make you happy um and the evidence suggests that people in 2016 are no more happier than in 1950s when they started Mm. these ad campaigns on television. And the thing that's cracked that um, apart and the thing that um, is slowly making people realise and and become more conscious about um, their choices in life is the internet. And um, that's a tool that we use at the library to communicate to our members. Yeah. It's, a, it's a way that members are now being informed about other ways of doing things. 
in a way that people haven't been able to be in, informed about before. You know, so our happiness is no greater in 2016. But when you start a community like this, and you see people walk in here, you see their happiness increase yeah. by tenfold. All of a sudden, this light bulb moment. Wow, what is this place? It's like it's like a playground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's something really powerful about being part of something as well, you know, that community aspect of it. And I guess being involved with a like-minded group of people is powerful and, and it does, it certainly for me, it, it does kind of contribute to your happiness or your contentment or your feeling of connection. And I think that's the other side of sharing that we don't often talk about. I mean, we talk about the resources involved in creating the power drill that we use twice a year or the money that goes into it. But I think the other side of it is also having an opportunity to talk to like-minded people and, and connect. Yeah. And often I think the internet gets a really bad rap for this kind of stuff. You know, it's disconnecting us. It's making us less able to converse. Whereas, sure, that, that, that's part of it. And we've seen that. But I also think that it gives us the opportunity to do things like what you're doing, which is find a community and start to band together. And yeah. I love that you're using it to, to increase people's happiness and connection. Yeah, and I'd have to agree as well. I mean, I think that there's many ways to look, at, to look at an issue. And I think, you know, when we talk about ownership, don't get me wrong, when you walk into my house and when you walk into my shed, you know, I've got a lot of decluttering to do, you know, and, and, and that's not it. Like, we're not saying to people, do not, you know, we're not um, advocating a communist regime. Yeah. We're not um, advocating that people um, stop purchasing things and that the whole economy will, will go backwards. What we're saying is that we live in a, um, the Blue Mountains is a socio-economically lower place, you know. And, and so what, what we know is that the average weekly income in the Blue Mountains is $994, right. according to a, the light, latest ABS statistics. The average in Australia is something more like 1600 to $2,000. Now, because we have lower socio-economic community, there's great opportunities for us to then buck that system and, and say, no Bunnings, sorry, yep. I'm not, we're not all going to go and buy there. We're going to collectively own the things that we need. And therefore, the money that we, that we do have as a community is going back into the community. So, you know, by starting this place up as a not-for-profit, um, it doesn't mean that you won't be going to the hardware store because you'll still need wood, you'll yep. still need drill bits, you'll still need glue, you'll still need paint those businesses will survive with this model still in place. But what it does is it gives people more um, bang for their buck. It gives mm. them the opportunity to advance, to succeed, to excel at what they do. It gives them um, the ability to do more creative projects. You know, how, how often do we feel hindered by the fact that we just don't have a dollar in our account to go and buy that thing yep. that we need? And if we didn't buy the tool, we could buy the material. So I think that's where that's where something like this is so good for a community like ours in the Blue Mountains, but it's transferable to every single suburb in every single town of Australia. It is, yeah, it absolutely is. Who are the people who have joined so far? I mean, you've been open for a year. What what kind of people are, are part of the community and, and what are their goals? That's something we're still unpacking. Yeah. We're still discovering more about our members. I mean... Some, it's hard because, you know, whilst you want to be able to just sit down and have a chat when, you, when yeah, you're also course. kind of open, only open for several hours a day and you've got all of the maintenance and cleaning and administration and all of that things as it comes to running a, a small business, as a small not-for-profit business, it, um, 
it, it is hard for us to get to know everyone mm. um, on, a, on, a, on an individual basis, but, but those connections that happen between individual members at events that we hold, yep. and, and that, that's where we get the opportunity to sort of um, have, to share a meal and to share some food and to share some art and, and also share the creative projects that are going on around here with people. Um, we get to know them um, as as people who um, work in Sydney, people who are un- unemployed, people who are actively retired, mm. people who have families and no time, people of all walks of life. And you know, I, I've tried to look at some of the detail of, of the members, and, it, and it's it is a really diverse group that stretches from um, you know out the tip of, of of the Blue Mountains up in Mount Victoria right down to Springwood, which is a geographically large area. It's yeah. a hundred kilometer area, and and so you have people coming from hundred kilometers to come and get the thing that they need to then take back mm. because they value. You know that they, they value the the project, I think, and and they see the benefit in it, or they they get the benefit. Yes. Of it. Well, exactly. The benefit is worth. Yeah, you know, the it's worth. Is it. Worth the trip. Yeah. Um, and and also, I mean, the Blue Mountains is a place where um, artists, creatives, you know, thinkers have all come mm. for a long time, and so you do have that percentage of people, but we've got a mix of people who also share our creative values, but also just want to use the whippersnipper and the mower. Yeah. You know, and they. For them, it's perfect because their their Sydney weekender is up here. They don't have to drag the mower up from Sydney every weekend, yep. and so we're bringing people together. We're bringing diverse people together as well. Yeah. Absolutely, for a you yep. know a common purpose or a common benefit or you know yep. it's yeah that thread. I think it's going to be fascinating to, to sort of track that over the coming years and see where that seed and its kind of offshoots go. Because I think what you're doing is bringing awareness first of all to this issue of needless consumption and needless ownership uh, and I think that ha- will have a role on effect over many years it's going to be fascinating I, I agree with you that every town in every state and every part of the country could benefit from something like this what did you do how did you start how did you set Tullow up and I guess what would you advise someone listening who wants to do something similar to to start with I mean the big key thing is to do your research on on the township and and sort of build build a bit of a business model or a case for how you will generate income from the project. And what we did was we um, went through a lot of data. We spoke to a lot of people, you know, through our economic development enterprise that we have up here, and we also spoke to the other tool libraries that that exist mm-hmm. uh, around the world. We emailed um, people and we sort of asked them, we quizzed them on how long it would take them to get members in their, yep. their first year, their second year, um, right up to to where they are currently. So that, that gave us a little bit of, well, it gave us not just hope, but it gave us some surety that if we, um, you know, if we invested our time, energy and money to some extent yep. um, in setting up the project, that we could be perceivably um, a sustainable business in ourselves because there's no point doing something like this if if you can't be sustainable but my advice and and this works for people who are really embedded in their community mm. is to seek the help of community not-for-profit groups who are already existing such as rotary or lions or you know the community garden group or whatever and, and say to them hey can we can we put a shed up 
you know, a small shed that has a that houses a library of things that people can come to and use this space. If you don't have to start up a not-for-profit, um, your own entity, and you can tack it onto the back of another community group yeah. and you can get them to um, see the value in bringing people through their space and start small, start with a few shelves. Yeah. Start well, you just started key. with your tools, didn't you? Yeah, they, yeah. that's right. I, I basically yeah, I had that light bulb moment myself and I, what I did was I just brought in all of my tools and all of my shelving from my shed, put it into the library, donated it and said, well, it's here when I need it. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it was actually a really, really good thing because I was just moving as well and, and so I could bring all my things here. Um, and it's good, and it, and I would have borrowed, lent them out to people anyway. So yes. they lent, they're being loaned out um, to people, and um, you know we've got the ethos that um, you know uh, the tools have a shelf life as well, and that you know you can't be concerned about things um, going missing or getting broken or or being stolen because those aren't the sort of people who are going to come and join a, a resource like this. You yeah. Know? Um, you've got to you've got to put it out there, and things will come tenfold. Quite often, I walk up the stairs to the tool library, and on the stairs will be new tools, power tools, things that people have just left out there overnight, even. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's brave! Like <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a power tool. That's you know, or a ladder or something. And then you know, I arrive and I open the door and I bring it into the collection, and we. You know, we test and tag, or we 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 type it up into the inventory, and and there it is. It's 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 now going out on loan, um, and and so yeah, I, I'm um, constantly surprised by the generosity of people. Mm. And that, it's that it's that easy, isn't it, for people to donate their tools or their their goods? I mean, do you ask people to run it by you before they bring things up, or? Well, we sort of do, but it never works yeah, okay. like that. Like people just <laughs> arrive with things, and and to be honest, I don't mind being a conduit for for things. And occasionally, you will get, you know, probably ten, twenty percent of the time, you'll get things that you go, okay, mm-hmm. thanks for that. Um, but I've, you know, in a clever way, what I've done is I've started an archive. Okay. And so, you know, for in, for me, this project is, is something that I can I, I regard as a, a not just a library, but also a museum and. And so when we do get obscure, weird things, we put them into the archive, which is really just a trunk. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe in, in, in 10 or 20 years' time, when people um, are looking back at the history of tools and, and the history of, of the development of, of, of how we used to do things, given, you know, the advent of 3D printing and the... Yeah. Um, and all, all of those sort of new production techniques that we have, maybe those things will be, become a useful... Um, thing for a museum yeah you know so yeah so we're kind of you know we're doing that but we're also you know there's there's lots of examples of people who send their equipment over to um countries in in third world who who you know maybe not don't have a screwdriver set so we have heaps and and on the flip side as well conversely you know when those other libraries do start we can share our things with them so our idea is to have three of everything yeah so when we get a fourth occasionally we give it back and we say look we've got we've we've got four of those we don't really need it and i'm you know but most of the time we take it so that we can give it to someone else yeah that's brilliant actually to think about how that will then you'll kind of develop this network of other tool libraries and you can spread those resources more fairly across them as well that's right when we started up the 
Tulo concept, we thought that it could be a model. Mm. Um, and so what we did was in our constitution, we set it up so that it could be franchised and set up in Brilliant. any other community. Yeah. So all that community needs to do is contact us um, and then we say, here's the logo, here's the um, how we do all of the back-end stuff, yep. um, here's your website, and then they can basically start up without having to start up oh, their own so ABN, great. without having to get their own insurance, without because it would all come underneath the one umbrella. Yeah. So that was something that um, that we've done. And we've had a lot of conversations with other um, communities as well, and some of them just preferred to go and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, of various reasons, people want to, the ownership of their own thing, and yeah. it's just easier. But I think in time people will come to realise that the trouble, the, it, the amount of time it takes to set up an ABN and your, to get the insurances and yeah. all of those costs associated with that, if it's under the one umbrella, it's going to make life so much easier. Absolutely. I didn't realise that you'd done that. And that's, I think that's phenomenal. I'm quite sure there's people listening who will be contacting you as a result. I because, hope so, yeah. yeah. Really, like we've, we started with just a small committee, four or five people, and that's all you need. Mm. You need four or five people who are willing to meet up for a few hours a week. Yeah. Um, so we're only open at the moment. We started in our first year. Just four hours is all, is the commitment that I've given to the library per week. We come in, the members come in, they borrow the things, yeah. they drop them back the following week. So really it's not a huge commit, time commitment. And do members help out with the, like the on rental mornings? Are they, is there a member here to help kind of sign things out yeah so you know any given sort of saturday there's a few members that come in and help volunteer Great. and we're building up that base of people who are starting to really take ownership of this project and then hopefully um well definitely actually um this month being our first birthday we're going to announce um a second day that we're opening so that's really good because you know part of the feedback from people is well you're only open for half a day a week and we say cool do you want to volunteer to open up another day because that's how it works and they don't Mm. but the ones that are going to be helping will be creating that opportunity for people now to come in on a second day and then hopefully that makes the other members realize wow if i gave a couple of hours of my week they could be open seven days a week. Correct. Yeah, and that and that's how that's how it has to work. Yeah, I like that you've you were very intentionally. Um, you intentionally came into this knowing that it's going to take time though as well. Like, you know, you, you said that you were looking for kind of your year two to hit 150 members and you're understanding that if you can get four hours a week, that's great. And then let's kind of slowly add to that. And I think that might be, I guess the, not the downfall, but the stumbling block for a lot of people is they kind of want it to just grow really rapidly. And I appreciate that you you know, share openly the fact that you are just taking it slow and you're making it sustainable for yourself as well as someone who's running it because you work full time and, you know, you're involved in other projects. So I think that that's really important for people to understand that, yes, this is a brilliant idea, but it's not necessarily going to take over the world overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you can look at it in so many different ways. When we did the precedent research on this project, we looked at for-profit models. Um, yeah. We looked at um, hire companies. We looked at um, hardware stores. We looked at the other tool libraries around the world, and yeah, we quizzed them a fair bit mm. on on how they how they run their structures. And um, 
And given that we knew that it would take several years to get to the volume of people that we needed to be able to pay our rent, so having that understanding straight away was really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like, so that meant that even though the, the impetus is always, yes, get in, let's do this, we're always reminding ourselves at our kind of quarterly meetings um, of the committee that, you know, this is a this is a, a slow process. Um, and it's also, you know, we looked at um, the idea of that, that this up here was going to be, it's a model for change. Mm. And that a model for change needs to have, you know, a beginning, middle and end. It's, yep. a, it's a story that, it's a narrative. And that that's something that you can't jam down people's throats. It's something that has to be filtered through. People need time to understand it. So, yeah. I think people come to those understandings in their own time as well. I mean, we can present them with ideas, but it's up to individuals to kind of grasp it and make it applicable to them. You know, I think it's um, tempting, I think, sometimes to lecture or (laughs) get up on our soapboxes, but we can't force people to change. It's just a matter of presenting these ideas and showing the benefits over time. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I come constantly, even after year one, getting to this stage, I think, man, in year five or year 10, this project is just going to kill it. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be something that you cannot argue with. Yeah. um, How good um, it's going to be to have a collection of um, resources and things. And, you know, with an ethos as well that of sustainability that we can partner with um, organisations up here who are doing similar things. Mm. Essentially, we're, we're a creative space, so we're nimble. We're, we're really agile. If, yeah. if, if things change or um, if opportunities present, we can jump at those opportunities because we're so, so used to running on a shoestring yeah. that we, you know, nothing is a challenge to us. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you what the biggest challenge of the past year has been, but I feel like you're just come at me challenges and I'll <laughs> work yeah, with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the good thing is that, you know, when you when you are only committing a few hours a week, when there are big weeks and you need to you need to band together to do things, it's it's no problem and people yeah. are really willing to help if you ask. Mm. Um and and someone told me the other day like one of one of our members said, "Well, you you can ask, but sometimes you have to tell." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably true, you know, probably we we are guiding people through this kind of new landscape this new territory and i'm kind of, i'm i'm excited to see what happens over the next oh my yeah. i'm really excited what what's i guess what's the weirdest thing that someone has ever donated i don't know i guess um we've had people who've said oh my dad died can you come down and just pick through his shed and have a look and ah. I, that experience of sort of going through someone's things is a really weird experience you know because it's kind of like it's some that's someone's man can yeah. you right there but by the same token, you know, they're, it's kind of fun and yeah. exciting going through, like, someone's shed and going, really? Can we have this? Yeah. Are you serious? This is great. Like the gems that you uncover. Yeah, exactly. And, he, you know, right down to the point where, I mean, in everyone, every dad's shed has it, you know, the old jars of screws oh, and nails. And, yes. And so, I mean, the, the pure... Um, delight of going through and sort of finding all of the these old brass hinges and you know really cool things and thinking god i wish that was another project that i could do is just 
you know, you could have a, a whole store of, of things up here that, that people could come and just take, you know. And the reverse garbage model. I mean, I was a huge fan of the reverse garbage model when um, I lived in Sydney mm. um, and I would go there all the time. And even if I didn't buy anything, I was still like, well, I love this place. I used to love know. just picking through there and seeing go what you find. It, you know, and... And that model, that model's great, but it exists up in the Blue Mountains online as, a, as an online resource, reverse garbage Blue Mountains, so it's not a physical, tangible right. asset. That's probably been the hardest thing is, you know, the fact that, you know, when you've got a physical space, you've got to maintain that, um, yeah. that, maintain that space. So, yeah, I think that's been the biggest challenge would be the fact that, you know, you've got overheads. Yeah, you know, okay. You've, you've got to meet um, and rent every week and stuff like that, so... But but that was always we always knew that, um, and that that so that was that was something that we kind of always had a plan to to be able to overcome through yeah. donations and um, philanthropy and fundraising, a lot of barbecues. Yeah, booked. okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know the the idea is that you know when when we reach 150 members, we'll we'll have um, you know accumulated enough money that will then pay the rent electricity internet um insurances testing and tagging yeah which are our big five or six kind of ticket items for um running yeah the okay. business. and then anything past that means we can expand brilliant yeah which is going to be great so and and looking at the libraries around the world that kind of inspire me the most the ones that i look out for is brunswick tool library which has been going for a few years which gets financial support from the council which we don't they've reached 500 members wow which is great so if you you know if you if you extrapolate that over their membership fees they earning enough to be able to now move into a new premises yeah um toronto tool library just hit 5,000 members boom you know, wow. Um, so that's 5,000 active yearly subscribers that's brilliant. who pay to access those resources. So, you know, sure, we're no Toronto. Yeah. We're not going to have the population to sustain 5,000 people. But um, our goal was to try to get after 150 to get to 100, to get to 500 mm-hmm. um, and then maintain that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And is that what inspires you? I guess just to wrap up, I mean, is that what inspires you? You're looking at these tool libraries that have been going for a few years more and you're seeing the impact that they're having? Yeah. Well, look, that's what inspires me with this project. But what keeps me going in general is that I think there's always a better way to think about um, problems. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of different solutions to problems. and, And most of those solutions always all the big changes all the big movements in history have all come about through people coming together and making a change and we can't rest on our laurels in australia because we're in such a privileged position but we're um also um whilst we're in such a privileged position and we're such a rich country we can quite we can become lazy we can become stagnant and there are better ways to do yeah. things and there's better ways to support um, people. There's better ways to provide um, opportunities for society to bring people up with us, to bring people together. And it, it really is up to us to do that as mm. individuals to come together and, and make that happen. Because if it doesn't, you can't, I can tell you now that the big corporations will not do it. They, you know, it's not in their best interest. And whilst they might have the flavor of corporate social responsibility and all of those sort of things, that are the, are the current flavors of the month that's not where it that's not where it happens it no. always happens grassroots and so so when i finish this project 
I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. It's connection. Like, honestly, I think it's people coming together. And in the world that we're in at the moment, I think it's doubly, triply, quadruply more powerful to come together rather than continue on our own individual paths. And that's what I love about this. It's at its core. It's about connection and bringing other people along with us. It's wonderful. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I've loved talking to you and exploring your um, your awesome library. <laughs> it's brilliant. Thank you. That's okay. That's my pleasure. I hope um, listeners get a lot out of it and come and visit the library of things when they're visiting the Blue Mountains next. Please do. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin.